we had a couple episodes in this week. And so I'm like, let's let's get back to that. Um, everybody, welcome back to It's a Little Things Podcast. It's India, and I'm so excited to introduce Miss Katie Bulmer to the podcast. And she is gosh, just so wise. And I'm so excited because I've looked up to you for a bit and um, on TikTok and Instagram. So I'm really excited to kind of hear more about you and your story. Um, but yeah, everybody just, you know, get get comfy because it's going to be a good one. Um, so Miss Katie, can you tell us a little bit about you and your testimony and kind of about yourself? Sure. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. And shout out to TikTok for connecting us. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I am a speaker to sororities, so I travel to different colleges and to, to share a little bit about my story. Um, my background is in marketing, so I have what I call like the um, I see a hundred million dollar power of influence in sorority women specifically, but really just that eighteen to twenty four year old um, bracket. If you talk to any marketing specialist, they'll tell you that like that is like the golden consumer demographic. You guys are the cool kids and <laughs> what you buy, what you download, what you get tattooed, like it is trending and um, hundreds of millions of dollars hang in the balance of answering this question is, of what is cool. And so focus groups and all these people, you know, um, target are just, this is a golden consumer demographic, like I said, and just want to understand how your brain works. Um, but more so than that, I, I just got to share my story because I was your typical heartbroken and hungover sorority girl. Mm-hmm. I always say looking for love and all the wrong fraternity boys. <laughs> and, um, you know, shocking that left me broken and, you know, not in a good place and met the only person that can ever complete me. His name is Jesus. And then shortly after that, met my husband and now we're married and live in Chattanooga and have two daughters. And so that having two girls makes me very passionate about the next generation of women. So that's a little bit about me in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love that. Well, I'm about to rush. So that's kind of exciting. That's perfect. Because I'm transferring this year. So I'm tr- rushing as a junior. But yeah, for sure. College is like crazy. And it, you're thrown into literally everything. And you're kind of just expected to like, you know, figure it out and find your friends and find a husband at some point and all this stuff. And so it gets overwhelming. And when you're in a household with rules and parents, then you go from not having parents or rules and you're not required. So it's like this whole journey of finding who you are, who Jesus is, your identity in Jesus. And sometimes they don't happen in college, but we're fortunate enough for that to have happened in college. And so, yeah, I was like, this is perfect. This will be perfect for us. Um, but yeah, so what would be something like, you know, um, I know you talked about kind of talking to sorority girls. What is your main issue that you face when talking to sorority girls? Well, dating is always a hot topic. I talk about that a lot on the, the interwebs, (laughs) (laughs) but there's just something, you know, like I said, something I always say, I want to be who I needed when I was younger. And at the time I did not know anyone who was a believer that was relatable. Like everyone I knew who was a Christian, I was convinced locked themselves in their dorm room every weekend and could not even spell the word fun. And I was like, well, that all sounds cute when I'm a grandma, but I am too busy, you know, quote, I'm using air quotes being cool, or at least I thought so, you know, in college and in high school. And I I just needed someone to tell me that like being, being a follower of Christ is not only helpful to myself. It wasn't, I thought it was obeying rules and I thought it was, I don't know, uncool or or not helpful, or I just didn't understand. And I also was like 
blown away. I love that you have a podcast that shares people's stories. I was blown away when I understood that all the people in the Bible were a bunch of mess ups, just like me. Like my 18 year old self would have told you that the Bible was this book of all these golden, perfect people. And we should go do likewise because I never really read it or knew much about it. And then I realized like, holy cow, these people are a disaster. That's so exciting (laughs) (laughs) because, you know, I felt that way too. And anyway, so all that being said, like to be who I needed when I was younger is just communicating like who Jesus is, how that relates to me. And not just so I can be a quote, good girl or check any boxes or go to heaven when I die. So I can live my life to the fullest here because I have tried to live every which way. Like I've tried on my own strength. I've tried on, you know, trying to be pretty, trying to be popular, trying all the things that the world offers. And it's crazy. And you see it in celebrities. You see the people in the limelight with all the fame and all the fortune and all the good looks a lot of them are on drugs and suicidal. Like if, if that is where, if that's what we're all reaching for, it turns out they have it and it's not that great. And I've just, I've, you know, realized that I can have this abundant life here on the side of heaven. And anyway, and I talk yeah. about this thing. <laughs> and a lot of people try and find that worth and try that fulfillment in a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And that's so unfair and untrue to ask another flawed human being to fill all your broken places when Jesus is the only person that can ever do that. So Yeah, no, that's totally true. And I think um, that's, I mean, that's a problem I faced myself. I mean, I've dated my boyfriend since my junior year of high school. So we're going on four years, which is exciting, but it's kind of this part where you're, you're still both finding yourselves. And we've been very fortunate enough to have like really great people to look up to that have helped us through that. But like a lot of times I know in college, the, my friends that, you know, don't have boyfriends that are good godly men and that are struggling to date. It is hard because everybody has different goals and like these boys will tell you one thing and they're doing something else behind your back or there's just so much stuff going on. And, you know, I've seen it more than anything, but when you said like that, these celebrities have, you know, all this stuff and they're feeling some type of way, like they're depressed and all this, it makes me think of Ecclesiastes and that will always, I mean, it's, we did a whole sermon in church about it and it was crazy. And it's, there are so many um, celebrities that come out and say, it's not all that. It's just, it's not like whatever you do, like, you know, it just wants you to know it's not all that. So it's crazy to think that even in college, it's the same concept. You can ask anybody who has all that and they're going to say, no, it's not. So, yeah, I just think that's crazy. And I mean, Ecclesiastes is really heavy, but it's true. And, you know, that's what the Bible is. It's heavy, but it's true. And I think that's just so interesting that, you know, you've talked about that and I've seen that and I've heard it and it's crazy. It's crazy how it works. <laughs> yeah. Chasing the wind. I mean, that's like popularity on the internet. You know, think about like, um, having a lot of followers on the internet, internet. Cool. Do those people care if I get sick? Those people going to be in my funeral? No, like they don't care, you know? And I'm reading this book called famous at home. And it's so like being quote famous to the people that care about you most that is so much more than being famous to a bunch of strangers who I mean they might like you they may think your posts are great but you know that's no literally (laughs) yeah and and nobody knows you like you know the people around you I mean there's only so much and that's another thing I've realized too is I try to be so real not only for like Instagram but for TikTok because I know it's the same thing like I wish I had somebody to have looked up to that was 
real like and you know of course we have the stories in the bible it's also hard in modern times to kind of be like okay well i'm not really worried about getting stoned so i'm kind of <laughs> kind of looking like you know there's connections to be made but also there's a lot of differences and so i think that's been something that's difficult because there's only so much you can be real about like you, you can't show everything and so i i found that very interesting but what is a piece of advice you would give yourself now that you wish you would have heard in college. I know there's probably lots, but like, what's the main piece of advice you would give yourself? Yeah, well, my podcast is called Truth For Your 20s. And I ask everyone before they leave, I say, if you could have coffee with your 20 year old self, what would you say? And a lot of times I interview, you know, women as young as you and say, hey, what about your 18 year old self? (laughs) But anyways, I mean, for me, really boys were, (laughs) I just was so caught up in trying to find a boyfriend and trying to, you know, I was a chameleon. I was like trying to be whoever it is that they wanted me to be, whoever the guy was at that time. And, you know, jumping through hoops and trying harder, trying to be prettier, trying to be more popular, like just on this hamster wheel of trying, trying, trying so hard for all of the wrong guys. And it was, you know, just I look back at that younger self and I'm like breaking my heart, looking at how tired she was and how broken and how these guys did not even appreciate all that I was sacrificing to try and be whoever it is they wanted me to be. And so I would just tell myself like, sweet girl, like you're worth, you're trying to let this guy named Tyler, who's 19 years old, define your worth. No, I really didn't get date a guy named Tyler. <laughs> like he's from Atlanta, Georgia. Like who is he? Like what? You're letting this d- dirt dirt bag, you know, define <laughs> who you are when the person who created you, you know, long before you even thought about being a college sophomore or whatever it is, he says you are worthy. And so much so that he gave his life to say that you're worthy. And here you are jumping through hoops for Tyler, like, come on, you know, <laughs> throwing Tyler under the bus. <laughs> Anyways, and so I just like getting that perspective shift would have been so helpful. Um, I have a good friend who just wrote a book called "Don't Date a Boo Boo Dude," <laughs> and she talks so much about the problem behind the problem, and that type of behavior is self worth. And that was definitely my experience of just not understanding that I was worthy of being pursued. That I was worthy of just being dated with respect, you know, and stuff like that. And I think that if I could go back, I would definitely have a conversation like that with my younger self. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of times, I mean, most of the actions we have are based on a truth or a lie we're telling ourselves. And I think that um, a lot of times it's based on lies we tell ourselves, like the way you treat others, you know, whether that's good or bad, it's because of something you've either been through or you're struggling with. And I know I've seen that many, many times myself and like even in college with playing softball and like the injuries I had and pushing through those, that was because of a truth or something that I had been taught when I was younger. And like, I had to like debunk those and tell myself, I don't have to push myself past limits. Like that's unhealthy. And so it's just been interesting, you know, because you're, you're right. It is, it's just lies we tell ourselves or problems with self-worth or there's lots of reasons for that, but I totally agree. And, um, Yeah. So how would you suggest that somebody, if they are struggling with this, like how, how would they find their self-worth or how would they get out of this rut of dating boo-boo dudes? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that one is we teach others how we can be treated. And so, you know, for example, I'm over here like doing cartwheels for these wrong guys and 
It's because I told them that they can expect that. I told them that it was fine for them to text me only late at night, you know, because I've responded to it. Or I told them it was okay to just give me scraps of um, attention and, and it was okay to string me along because I taught them that that was okay. You know, Katie today would be like, um, sorry, block your number. Like I ain't got <laughs> no way, forget you. But, um, but you teach others how you can be treated or you teach others how they can treat you. And then, you know, we, we say that our worth is in Christ, which is true, but like practically speaking, I think it just comes back to like, if you don't understand that or know what that is, or even if you do, and maybe you've forgotten, just like, I mean, I think that we have a good and loving father. And just as my husband is to our girls, he wants to be there for his daughters. And so if we're like, God, I want to know you, like I, I feel far, I want to be close to you your good and loving father hears that and he wants to be there for you. And so, you know, just say, Hey God, I want to know you more. What does that look like? I personally love to go on prayer walks when this is like getting out of my neighborhood. Sometimes I have earbuds in so I can talk and not look like a crazy person and the earbuds are like not connected, <laughs> to anything. but just like praying over my family, praying over our neighbors, praying over the schools and our nation and stuff like that. Um, some people love a war room. I think that's super cool. Like writing your prayers on your closet, journaling, like there's no one way, but like, I encourage you to find your way and your way may change in seasons, but maybe as a junior in college, for example, you find it's really helpful to get a war room in your closet or to prayer walk around your campus, you know, whatever that may look like, just it, it, encourage you to try that. Maybe set a goal of like three days a week of having that time. You know, if I um, say I love my husband, but we never spend time together, we never go on dates. Like, is that believable? But when we say, Hey God, I want to know you more. We need to spend time and like seek that relationship. And I think that he will meet us there for sure. And it's a very sweet time just getting to know him better. Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing that I have gotten a lot of requests on is like somebody has asked for like daily Christian habits. So in that situation, what, what are some habits you would suggest that people would do, you know, every day to help them, you know, with self-worth and staying close to the Lord and, you know, like prayer walks and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are good examples. Like I said, those are just three. I'm sure there's 9 million other examples of prayer, <laughs> but like for me, especially because I'm kind of a busy body, bo- I'm sorry, a busy body, I love prayer walking. So maybe that is applicable to some of your listeners, maybe just doing something like that. But when it comes to prayer, I think it's um, Ephesians 2, it or self-worth. You can just go through that and circle all the adjectives or the ways that God describes you. And so like, he says, you are worthy. He says, you are redeemed. He says you are set apart, like just circle all of those. And you can like write it on a dry erase board or, you know, make it cute. If you're artsy, do it on Canva or something like that. And, you know, creativity is this, there's all these psychological things about when we activate that creative side of our brain, just the cool things that it does for our relationship, for our just health and well-being. It just like nourishes our soul to use that creative side. And so, you know, like I said, painting, walking, getting, doing graphic design, singing a song, maybe, maybe like writing a tune, maybe something you're passionate about. Shoot, even like getting creative on social media, you know, you and I met via TikTok. Like I seriously love getting creative and thinking about a certain audio and putting like a truth bomb to that, you know, like, I think that's my like creative outlet. Like I really enjoy doing that. And those are all like beautiful ways. And it doesn't, you don't have to like put it out on social media if you don't want to, although I encourage you to do so. A lot of people are scared to share their faith. I encourage you to do so, but maybe it's just um, painting or journaling it out and using that creativity to just 
have that communal time with the Lord and with your creativity and finding your worth. It's all like just a very healing process for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's the, I think that's the, the best thing for me too, as well. Like I love TikTok, but it's not just like watching TikTok. Like I enjoy making TikToks. Like I think it's so fun. And then Instagram is just so fun to like work on my podcast and do all the marketing stuff for that. I just find it so interesting. And so that's helped me a lot, focus my time on what I'm doing and like, okay. And I, sometimes I look at this, like my podcast as a, not a, I don't want to say a chore, but something to mark off my to-do list. And then I get on here and I start talking. I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot how much I love this. And, and so it's just crazy. You're right. Like once you actually sit down and you start doing these creative things, it really does help connect you to the Lord because you're doing it for his glory. And that's, that's what I find the most interesting about what you said, because I'd never really looked at it, but now that you said that, I'm like, yeah, totally. Um, for sure. Well, Um, are there any other books that you've read recently that you would suggest to some college girls? Because I know that's a big one for us right now. It's like reading. It's really in right now, I guess you would say. (laughs) Good. Yeah. Let me actually, I just have a few right here. Um, I was just, I'm doing Surrendered Yes by Rebecca Lyons. This is, this is a devotional and, um, love her. She also wrote Rhythms of Renewal. This is a little bit older, but this is you talking about like daily practices and stuff. Rhythms of Renewal is really good. It's just like, you know, morning and evening, just things you can do to get your mind at peace or um, get ready for the day or yourself off the day, the good and the bad and all that kind of stuff. So those are, those are really good. Um, I mentioned my friend's book, Don't Date a Boo-Boo Dude. If you're in a sorority, oh, sorry, I wrote a book called Sorority Girls Can Change the World. So shout out to that. It's essentially kind of based on my marketing background and the trendsetting power, like we mentioned, and then using that trendsetting power for good. Um, and I, I'm a lifetime lover of the book, Redeeming Love, that was also made into a movie this January. I think that every girl over the age of, I don't know, 16, it's a mandatory, it should just be mandatory. (laughs) Yeah. I watched the movie and I'm definitely investing in the book because the movie was amazing. And I bet the book was even better. Like everyone says the book is better, but I feel like it's just, it's a whole, there's so many layers to every scene that are not there. And I think the book, the movie did as good as a job as it could have had. Like it was very good. I actually got to interview Francine Rivers and she was like very happy with the movie, but the book 400 times better. <laughs> oh, I can't even imagine. It, it was so good. But yeah, so like for me, reading has become, I kind of forced myself to start. Like I, I hated reading as a kid and growing up. And then this past year, my new year's resolution was to read more because I was like, I want to get a wider vocabulary. And there's other things like I want to hear other perspectives on the Bible, the gospel. Like there are things that I don't think of when I read it. And so I read radical by David Platt. I read some Bob Goff books. Uh, He's always good. And he's turned my perspective. And then so Ben Stewart and all this. And so I started reading all of those because I was like, I want to get a different perspective. And they have become a daily habit for me. That's helped me a lot. Like at the end of the day or in the day when I'm, you know, scrolling through a bunch of TikTok, I'm like, oh, I need to refresh. I need to do something. So reading has become a great daily habit for me um, because one, it is helping widen my range of knowledge, not only of words, but the Bible because it's just become social media has become it's great but it also has become this time vacuum and I think that's something that I needed to get away from this year so yeah but that's <laughs> the reading read, um crazy love by Francis Chan 
that was the next one I have gotten recommended that one by so, so many people and so I feel I'm like, like I need to watch I need to read it people say books change your life like and I don't mean to be exaggerative but I feel like that definitely like changed my life in the in the best ways so good oh I'm so excited I'm so excited to read it it's it's the next one I'm getting um but okay so for the girls of today how would you suggest that they go about dating if they've never dated before yeah I think before you even think about dating it is important to make a list of non-negotiables and there's a lot of information about there about like a list and blah blah I think it comes down to having just a few non-negotiables so for example um I don't know if you follow Michael Todd, he talked about making a list and he's like, one of my non-negotiables is my wife will be debt-free, but actually his wife had some debt and that's part of their story is getting out of debt together. And so I want you to make this list and make it with an open hand. So I don't, I don't think it's important. He must be six, two and have blue eyes and come from like, whatever, like (laughs) God is going to, you know, you can have some, like, this is a, I would have liked to have, but really when it boils down to, I think a shared faith and not looking at pornography. I don't know if I can say that. You can take that out if you can. <laughs> no, yo, you're good. We're all, <laughs> but, we're all real here. <laughs> okay. Uh, that is just a very damaging thing that can, I mean, or has gotten clean from it. If that's something they struggle with in the past, for sure. We can all be um, renewed eyes, but like the habits that you are in when you are single are going to be habits you are going to carry into dating and into marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, no one drifts toward better, better takes work. And so a lot of people say, oh, well, right now he, <laughs> and look at where they're going, not where they are currently. So like, let's say a guy lives at home, um, doesn't make any money, looks at pornography and um, doesn't have, like says he has a good faith, but he's, he goes to church once every bicentennial. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think living at home is anything wrong. If like he has a job and he's like, he has plans to get out of it, but you're looking at pornography that is filling your brain with comparing images. And we all know a shared faith is like, are you for real growing in your faith? Is this a man? Is this something that is passionate? Is this like, you know, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life, not just part of my life, like Lord of my life. So anyways, going into dating with some non-negotiables, like this is what matters to me. And then because it's so important to do that beforehand, because listen, we are all subject to cute boys and cologne and saying the right things and whatever. But when, if you go in and cute boy doesn't have a shared faith, then that's going to be a deal breaker, you know, or um, whatever it is, you need to have those non-negotiables. And then I would communicate early what matters to you. So um, if there's physical boundaries that matter to you, if there's just habits you want to have in your relationship, um, are you dating just for fun? Are you dating for marriage? Um, I do think that clearly communicating what is important to you early, earlier than later is so important because, you know, people say they quote date for fun, but six months later, if there is just no, nothing talked about in the relationship and you're both just trailing each other along, that's not fun. And there's going to be heartbreak and n- no one wants that, but you have to be intentional and have clear communication to avoid something like that. So I could yeah. talk for days, but no, no, I mean, that's, I mean, that's great. That's great advice because I know that's something that um, I've told my younger sister, my dad has really got that one in our heads that, you know, they, they, 
have to be this way. There's this thing. Like he has to open your door. He has non-negotiables for us, which is good. Great. Dad. So well, yeah, exactly. And so he taught us, you know, here's your self-worth. This is what you will not accept, which has been nice. And of course there's the the stage where, you know, you want to figure it out for yourself. Then you realize he is right. If he's not opening the door for me now, he's not going to do it later. And (laughs) so, I mean, it was great. And so, um, but yeah, it has been helpful to have those non-negotiables for me, but it's also hard going into college, having these, because it almost feels like nobody has those. So if for the girl who is struggling to find somebody with those non-negotiables, what, what's like a word of encouragement for her? Yes, I have words. Um, <laughs> that's the, the classic, like there's no good guys out there. And, and I get that. I get it. That's a real feeling. And it feels that way because the quote, bad guys are louder. And I mean that because that's what we see on social media and that's what we see, but I promise they are out there. I like to give the example of when my husband bought a silver Toyota Camry, I promise I have a point with this. Um, <laughs> he bought a silver Camry and like, and then I started to notice the silver Camrys everywhere. Like, I just like, wow. Like, cause I'm like, oh, is that, hey, you know, I just never noticed before until he got that car. I actually Googled it. They're the second most popular car on the road, only second to the Honda Accord, right? But I, before he bought one, I, I never once thought about a silver Toyota Camry, never paid attention, never even thought about it. But when you are looking for this good Christian guy, because also you're on the same road, right? I also have a conversation of girls be like, oh, I want a good Christian guy. But meanwhile, they're dancing on the table. Listen, sister, love (laughs) you. But you got to be who you're looking for is looking for, right? So you're on the same road, looking for the right thing, having your eyes peeled, then you're going to notice that more. And, um, oh, he said something else about, um, just having those high standards. Also, you don't need hundreds of choices. You, you, don't, you don't need, that just makes, we're not better. There's all these studies that say when we have hundreds of choices, we actually don't make better decisions. You only need a few good choices. So if there are three eligible bachelors, wherever you live that love Jesus, you're in luck sister. Cause you're going to find one awesome one. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That, I mean, that's really true. Um, yeah. That's something that I have done too, um, because I, my junior year of high school, I moved to Texas. So I was fresh, new. It was my time to change who I was because I was like the person I was back in Arkansas. I was like, that's not who I want to be. I was somebody I didn't want to be. So I was like my junior year of high school, nobody knows me here. I'm going to be different. I'm going to change who I am. And you know, I worked on it. It's hard. You don't just change overnight. And, um, but yeah, so when I started actually living that life, I was able to one, find friends that, you know, were in my life that I wanted. Um, my grandma always says, you know, to have a friend, you have to be a friend. And so it's kind of like the same concept, like to be a good Christian friend, you have to be a good Christian friend. And then, you know, find just like same fine with partner. And of course that's not, it's not like an instant thing. Like you just, cause you start being a better Christian, all I'm not, I would hate to say better Christian cause that sounds bad, but you're working harder to yeah. be Christ-like and uh, it just, it, I, anyways, I'm losing my words, my no, I get it. Tied, I get it. but I totally, <laughs> totally have things in my head. They're just not coming out on my mouth. Um, but yeah, I think that's so true. And I think that's something that I have struggled with a lot, especially finding community in college, not only just, you know, dating my boyfriend now, but and that's another thing when you're in a relationship, pushing each other to be better. That's awesome too. But 
especially finding community, like friendships and stuff, being that Christian person, being that good role model, that person that, you know, people want to be friends with, you're going to find more people in the crowd of a bunch of people that you might not want to be friends with, but yeah, anyways, (laughs) so, um, yeah, that was my tongue-tied word of advice, but, uh, so what would you, so do you talk to girls a lot about friendships and like community like that? Yeah. I mean, I think that all kind of goes hand in hand, community and dating and just that best version of yourself, because, you know, if you are, um, let's leave dating aside. If you are like, truly, you want to learn how to cook better. So you go to cooking classes and you want to grow in your faith. So you're going to a Bible study and you are going to the gym. Like you are working on that best version of yourself. You're, you're surrounded by people who are doing the same thing. So that automatically like surrounds you with just better humans. Is that, I mean, like, that sounds bad, but you know what I mean? Like (laughs) people who are higher caliber and searching for that best version of themselves. So then yes, you're going to find better community. And even if it's not people your age, I mean, you don't ever know whose grandma uh, happens to have a a wonderful grandson or, you know, whatever. And finding that community, it's just so important. Like the people you surround yourself with, there's a saying, like, if you want to see yourself in five years, look at the people you surround yourself with Mm -hmm. and, you know, really being mindful, like not that all of your friends should be perfect. And we aren't perfect either, but being mindful, especially of that core group of people who are pouring into you, it it matters. Like we're, we're, um, people have done studies on this scientists. Like we humans, um, emulate each other more than any other creature. Like, um, you can look at hummingbirds or whatever they're, they're living, they're doing their own thing, but humans, we just, we mirror each other. We, we feed off each other in a good way. And that just makes us love community. But when we are surrounding ourselves with people who are not encouraging us, then that can be very toxic. So, oh yeah, I was reading Romans, which of course is like, the chapter or the book of the Bible that really just hits you hard. And I, um, was reading it and it said, it did say something about, you know, um, being around people that don't encourage you to be better also is not only harmful to you, but it's harmful for them. Because if you're just like, like you said, mirroring what they're doing, it not, it it damages you and your relationship with God and who you are, but it damages them because you're not keeping them accountable and you're not doing anything to actually benefit them. And so, you know, obviously that was paraphrased, but basically what I'm saying is it, it's harmful to you. Yes. But if you're not caring about like, whether it's harmful to you or not, you should care about if it's harmful for them because you're not benefiting them at all by not encouraging them to do better, especially if you have friends that say they're Christian and they're not acting that way. I mean, we're called to judge those who say they are Christian and don't act that way. And because God wants us to all be in heaven together. And if we're not acting that way and we're allowing our friends to act that way, it's so harmful for them. And I know it's so hard nowadays though, too, you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and you don't want to step on any toes, but ultimately like their eternal salvation matters way, way more than stepping on somebody's toes. And that's something I've had to come to terms with, but if, do you have any advice for, you know, if somebody is in your friend group or your boyfriend or somebody that's doing something and you just don't like it, how would you approach that situation? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, if we, we have so much empathy and compassion, if we can just put ourselves in other people's shoes. And I think it's, you get to the point of the matter a lot better if you ask questions. So a lot of times I'll give advice of girls who have a friend in a toxic relationship. So maybe they would say something like, Hey, I noticed you and Billy have been dating a while lately. Like, uh, is this, 
a kind of the kind of guy you want to date long term? Um, are you looking at marriage one day? Like asking those kind of questions. Have y'all officially dating? Um, what matters to you most in dating? Like asking those kind of questions, and then you know she might kind of be like. Um, well, you know, kind of maybe start to see hopefully some of those things or, um, you, you know, I noticed that you don't really hang out with us anymore since you've been dating him or um, can you do you still talk to your best friends as much if you have a lot of good friends and your family who are distant or giving you red flags about a relationship then that's definitely something you need to pay attention to. But um, anyway, asking questions or and just kindly being like, Hey, I love you. And I, and then see these things. And I notice these things and I want to help you having that kind of attitude versus, you know, pointing the finger is going to get you a lot further. Oh yeah, for sure. No, I totally agree. And I think nowadays we have learned how to, I mean, I, I know I struggled with this, but like avoiding the situation, cause you're like, I don't want to hurt anybody. And then it comes, then it comes down to like ghosting and nobody wants to ghost anybody. And so it actually benefiting somebody is talking to them. And I know that's hard, but I know that I struggle with that and I'm working on that, but I know um, that that's a big issue nowadays. It's just like just avoiding the situation and I've struggled with that. So I know other people have, um, but yeah, so I guess we need to start closing down. I'm kind of bummed because I really like talking to you, but um, I am so, so thankful that you joined me on the podcast today and you gave so much good advice and I'm so excited for everybody to hear this. Um, but thank you everybody for listening or watching or whatever you decided to do today. And I just want to remind you that you're loved and to hug your friends and give them some love. And then also be a light for the Lord and everything you do. And be the reason.